cut it there. Cut, 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 cut! Ribbit! And cut. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Terrific! Cut! And cut! Cut, let's try it again. Cut! And cut! 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 Check the game. Cut! 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 Welcome to Cut, just another movie podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Angie. And we're two siblings that love movies. Oh boy. How about them Oscars, Angie? It was certainly an Oscars. Before we get to the uh, the nitty gritty, uh, I have to talk about how we're streaming on all platforms. We also do a video podcast on YouTube, so you should definitely subscribe. Just search Cut Movie Pod and you're able to find us. Also follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram and on Twitter at CutMoviePod, where we post clips and teasers for the next podcast and just behind the scenes stuff that uh, we're working on. Having said that, um, I teased our last episode, which is our all our Oscar predictions about how because there wasn't a front runner that chaos was going to ensue in the po- in the Oscars and that it was going to be a while to finish. I didn't think that it would involve uh, people hitting each other. We're obviously going to get to the elephant in the room, but I don't want to turn this into a podcast about who said what, who did this. There are plenty of other outlets that are talking about it. And yes, we will mention it and give our little two cents, but I want to celebrate movies, which is what the Oscars should be. And unfortunately, it's going to be remembered for something that was, in my opinion, just really disappointing to see and just completely distracted from why everyone was there. And I was just thinking about, you know, any kids that were watching or any kids that were in the uh, Dolby theater, how parents are going to have to explain like what the hell just happened, you know? But anyways, um, I want to start off with our thoughts about our predictions and how, how close we got. So Andy, what, what was your final score? My final tally was 17 out of 23, which That's I think is probably good. the best that I've done. Yeah. We what did, did you get? We did yeah, a little bet, $50. I lost. She definitely lost. <laughs> so my final tally, and I have it right here as evidence, um, our fake Vanity Fair ballots. I got 21 of 23. I should have gotten 22 out of 23 because for original song on the podcast, I said that No Time to Die was going to get it, that Billie Eilish was going to get it. And at the last moment, I just thought the power of Encanto was going to be too much. And I changed my vote at the last minute. So if I hadn't changed it, I would have gone with your 22 gut. 23. This is also, I think, my best score ever. Yeah, I think If so not, too. it like ties it. But uh, I was really proud of myself. I hope you guys listen to the podcast and, you know, let us know if you uh, won some bets against your buddies, won, won uh, your Oscar polls at work. Yeah, which I would say our predictions as far as what would win were pretty spot on. Yeah, we really yeah. nailed it, I think. if you guys remember, we did both what we think is going to win and then what we wanted to win. And I think as far as what we thought was going to win, we did pretty, pretty well. Yeah. And I think this was the first year where I really went that route and I sort of went against my instincts of like with my heart, although Coda, who was a big winner that night, I still voted with my heart a little bit because it had been winning, you know, the producers guild and, Leading up to the Oscars, it it had some momentum, but I still thought that the power of the dog would pull it out at the end. So I went against what I thought was going to happen, and I went for that one who I thought would win, and it, and it pulled it out. And I was I was super stoked about that. We're not going to go super detailed into each category. I think we're just mostly going to talk about moments that stuck out to us, including just how the ceremony went and things that we liked and we didn't like. So let's start at the top. You know. Beyonce was nominated and I had a feeling that she was going to open the show, even though this isn't the Grammys, which a lot of people had complaints that why are we starting off a movie award show with music, a musical number? Um, But it was cool because it took place in Compton and it was a shout out to the Williams sisters where they came from. Um, I don't know if I was a fan of the uh, colors where it was all tennis ball green. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think I still would have liked it though for it to be live, you know. It yeah. was it was obviously taped, um, but I would have liked it if it was like on stage, live, and in the room and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I I did like it though because it 
the choreography was really good. And I don't know if you guys spotted, but Blue Ivy was like right in the front at one point. And then I liked how they had all the strings were green, like the same kind of like neon green. It would have been cool if they had the rest of the instruments that neon green, but I know that it's hard to make flutes green like that. So, but I did enjoy it. I actually, that's, um, I think I hadn't heard the entirety of Be Alive before. Cause I don't think I listened to it all the way through when I watched King Richard. Um, so I was, yeah, I liked the song. It was a good song. We had three Oscar hosts this year. We had Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall. I thought they did a decent job overall. I, I think when they were together, I could sense some kind of inconsistencies with like just their personalities and how they didn't kind of really mesh. But I think where they really shine is when they were individually like they both, they three, the, all three of them started at the same time. And then there was like a mini reintro with Amy Schumer by herself. And I think that's where she kind of did a lot better than when it was like the three of them. Um, but coming into it, I thought it wasn't the greatest idea to have that many hosts because again, after the beginning of the show, you kind of forget about them and they do come in and out every once in a while, but it's really the opening of the show. And, and because you did have Beyonce start it, it kind of felt like hard act to follow. <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of had like, we had like a false start and then, okay, now we have the show again and, and we have the host and all that. But I think they did a decent job overall. I think so too. Um, I will admit that when they announced who the hosts were going to be, I hated it. So I was like, I don't particularly like Amy Schumer. I don't particularly like Wanda Sykes. I like Regina Hall, but it, it was just kind of weird to pair all three of them together to me. Whereas like you said, if it was like two of them or like one of them, just the fact that it was three of them was kind of, it seemed like a lot. And I was kind of like, how are they going to make this work? Right. Like you were saying, it was pretty much just the beginning. And then you kind of saw them throughout the broadcast, but not really, which I was kind of happy about. I didn't want them to spend a whole lot of time on bits, even though they some of the bits were just like really stupid. They like really the, fell flat. The Kirsten Dunst one where she's a seat, seat filler and the Regina Hall one where she was like feeling up everyone. I was just like, this is weird. Well, here's the that's kind of leading into the incident, as we're going to call it. Um, but that was the beginning of the triggering <laughs> of events because Regina Hall had that bit where she's like, I got this note and, um, oh, and since she's right. single, uh, she just started naming off a bunch of attractive. She was like, you need to go to the back to get tested for COVID. Yeah, that's what it was. She started listing off a bunch of male actors that were attractive and it was like, um, I forget who it was. Tim, Timothy it was Chalamet. like Timothy Chalamet, Bradley Cooper. I think she mentioned Javier Bardem. And she's like, oh, but your wife is here. Yeah, so yeah. like, you get a free pass. But then it ultimately got to Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. And there was that moment where Regina Hall says, oh, Will Smith, you're on the list. Um, I know you're married, but your wife says it's okay. So yeah. come on up. And he's like, no. like, yeah. So right, they both laughed it off. But I feel like that planted the seed of what, could possibly happen later which on. there was a similar joke at the baftas that uh rebel wilson said and it was something similar along the lines of like you know jada and will and everyone kind of just went like oh like in the audience and she was like guys he's not here and like that was just kind of like the end of the bit and so i felt like that was kind of gonna be the butt of the joke award season because he was nominated which is unfortunate but i mean it happens. Some of the early, one of the early upsets was for animated short. I know you had Robin Robin. I did. And so but did I. the one that I wanted to win was the one that won. So I was really excited about that. Which is the windshield wiper. The windshield wiper was the one that won. And like I said earlier, or earlier, like I said in the previous episode, the windshield wiper is about love, basically. Like it starts with the question, what is love? And it's and it's animated, but it kind of reminds me of like, Waking Life, Linklater's Waking Life, like just the animation is kind of like that. And it's a d bunch of different vignettes of, you know, different people in love and what different people think love is. And so I, I thought it was like a really sweet kind of animated short, which is why I wanted it to win. And then it did, which I was shocked. I didn't think it was going to win. Another early winner of the broadcast was uh, Ariana DeBose, who became the first openly queer woman of color to win an acting Oscar. 
she gave, I think, one of the great speeches of the night. I think so, too. Um, where she just talked about her family and, and ended it with, you know, if there's anyone out there that doesn't feel like they identify with the people around them and doesn't feel included, there there are people um, that are open to you and, and that'll make you feel like you belong. Um, and I thought that sort of, I wish, would have set the tone yeah. for the rest of the night. It seemed like it was going to. <laughs> but the thing is, is like with everything that happened the last hour of the show, you almost forget that that even happened. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why I hated what ended up happening. Yeah. Because um, it totally took away from from all of that. During the buildup to the Academy Awards, ABC was teasing that we were going to have all these reunions. So we were going to have uh, the Godfather reunion and then we were going to have a 007 60th anniversary thing. Uh, we didn't really know what it was, maybe minus the Godfather. I figured like Francis Ford Coppola would be there and and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, who they, which they ended up being there. Um, I was really underwhelmed by the 007 thing. Because it was too. just a montage. Yeah. And then none they couldn't get any of the 007s to show up, you know, just to wave and say <laughs> hi and then just walk off stage. Like if they got Al Pacino out there. Right. I feel like they could have. And Robert De Niro, who's like hates doing if, yeah. interviews and, and doing these live events. And speaking of montages, you were talking about the 007 one. The Godfather one was kind of just like all over the place. Like I felt like the cuts were weird with the montage and then the music that they picked to go on with it. Was weird. Like also they could have having just, P Diddy introduce it. They could have just kept the really? original score, like, or done like a remix of the score. I don't know. It just felt like it just didn't work. And it was funny too because when P Diddy introduced the Godfather anniversary, that was right after uh, the incident with Will Smith and Chris Rock, and he even said like, "All right, guys, like Chris, Will, we're gonna deal with this like family like at the at the Golden Ball or whatever he yeah. called it." And then it's like, oh, but here we go. The Godfather. The Godfather. <laughs> a story about families and killing each other and, and tons of violence. And I just thought that was like super funny. Um, I thought that one, I thought the montage wasn't very good. And the thing is, is like the Oscars ceremony always has the best fucking montage. That's do. one of my favorite That's things. That's one of my favorite things too. And even the 007 one was just a bunch of shots. And, and um, I don't know, it just kind of left me wanting more. And then we had more reunions. We had White Men Can't Jump and we had Juno. We had Pulp Fiction, Fiction, uh, which were fine. The Pulp Fiction one was kind of embarrassing. Like, it felt like secondhand embarrassment. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Like, Because it was the 28th anniversary. Well, yeah, that was weird, eh? And then, like, when Sam Jackson was, like, talking and then, like, Uma Thurman and John Travolta were, like, in the background, like, saying their lines from the movie, I was just like... I don't know. I don't know. It just felt like really cheesy to me. It felt forced. It felt really forced. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, guess who they entered? Guess what category they did? Best actor. The rest of them were like fine. You know, it was cool that they brought the the odd one to me was like White Man Can't Jump. Yeah. I don't remember it being nominated. Yeah. I could be completely wrong. But that was kind of weird to to have, you know, that kind of reunion. But. And it was then, cool to see like Wesley Snipes. Yeah, that was cool to see them all together. Rosie Perez and Woody Harrelson. The In Memoriam was weird too. Yeah, that's been... Because you had like Jamie Lee Curtis with like the dog, which did was adopted. Yeah, by John Travolta's son. I did, yeah. And that was cute. But then there was like the weird like dance number in the middle of the In Memoriam. And they had it projected behind them. So yeah. what took center <laughs> stage was the dancing and also the music selection was very upbeat. Yeah. It's not what you'd... Ex- Usually it's something somber. Yeah. Something more emotional. I'd, I didn't like it. I just, I think it took away from the people they are supposed to honor. And I, I just love it when it's like maybe one musician and then... Billie Eilish did it like a few years ago. Yeah. And that was fine. I mean, I, I know what they were trying to do to just make it more uppity and not yeah. as depressing. But I think, you well, know... We want it to be depressing. Yeah, it's just, you know, people that passed away and, and they're gone. And, and they had uh, some notable people missing is what I heard people were talking about. They had Norm MacDonald, Bob Saget, Ed Asner, Asner, Anne Rice, who people were like, she's an author, but she did this interview with a vampire. So people were upset about those. As long as you work on a movie, like you should be up there, you know, regardless. Switching gears completely to something that's far more upsetting than an in memoriam montage was the two, they weren't even like categories because they didn't win Oscars. They were just kind of like, even though everyone online is like, they won Oscars. They didn't. They didn't. The first one was fan favorite, like movie. And the second one was 
cheer moment, like fan favorite cheer moment. And I couldn't find it looking for it, but I know there was one movie that was nominated for fan favorite that wasn't, that didn't come out this year to where I remember we were watching it and we were like, yeah, you could have voted for anything. Here? So that one, uh, Zack Snyder's army of the dead one. And then for cheer moment, the flash doing a flash thing one, which looked dumb anyway. But yeah. And then there was like, and no one clapped. By the no, way, nobody like they just showed it. And I feel like moment. most of those people in the theater were like, what is this? Yeah. And we had to cut legitimate categories to sit through like a minute and a half of these like fake awards or fan yeah. favorite stuff. Like that's the thing that like really irritated me that there was all this talk about, you know, cutting categories mm-hmm. and editing them beforehand and all that stuff and to, and to end up with like the Snyder fans. The show ended up being longer than three hours like it always it is ran so it's just about like 340 so 40 minutes over this? exactly yeah. another one of my favorite wins was for troy Kutzer for coda which i think everyone saw coming yeah. if you listen to our last podcast we uh majority said like he's gonna take it and he did um and his interpreter as he was walking towards the stage his his interpreter was like bawling yeah and i was surprised he could even you know (laughs) translate yeah as he did on on that big spotlight but he also gave a great speech and talked about like you know teaching people dirty words and like that he couldn't really do it troy became the first deaf male actor to win uh an acting oscar the other actor that won it was Marley Matlin, who plays his wife in the movie. And she famously won it in 1997 for Best Actress in her role in The Children of a Lesser God. So it's it was one of those like full circle moments. Kind of like with the Ariana DeBose as well. We kind of had. Yeah, she won it for the same role that Rita Moreno won back in 62, 63, whenever the original <laughs> West Side Story was. But yeah, it was like two beautiful moments, yeah. you know. Before the ceremony started, I set up a camera to record our reaction because we watched it here uh, together. And I set it up to watch craziness happen, but not the craziness that ended up happening. More of if an upset happened or we had another parasite moment where it was one of the movies that we were really rooting for to, to win it. And so the first time I think that we jumped out of our seats, or at least I did, was for adapted screenplay. And we're going to show... Or actually, I think it was original screenplay yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're going to show this clip. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see it. If not, you'll hear it uh, wherever <laughs> you listen to podcasts. And the Oscar goes to... I like that the background looks like a double Yeah! 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 So the winner for original screenplay was obviously Belfast. Which I was stoked yeah. about. I was and so excited. Yeah, if you watch this on YouTube, I jumped out of my seat yeah. and I was like shaking my hands. And that was after a few uh, brews. <laughs> but I was so stoked. And that to me signaled that Power of the Dog was possibly going to lose it. Yeah. And I felt a lot better about my picks after that point. Winning after that was a Coda for Adapted Screenplay, which we were super stoked about. Yeah. And here's the clip for that. And the Oscar goes to... And again, this was another sign for me that, you know, and I think I turned over to you and said, like, here we go, like chaos. Yeah, it was (laughs) it was pretty intense after that. We hit the two and a half hour mark, and this is where Best Documentary Features presented by Chris Rock, and things go off the rails, literally. At this point, things had been going on, on I thought, smoothly. There weren't very many surprises. Uh, Belfast, you could say, was a surprise. Coda winning for Adapted Screenplay, slightly a surprise, but the rest of the categories had pretty lined up with our predictions so far. Um, Chris Rock goes up there. He's being Chris Rock. You're not really thinking of it. You know, he's going to... He actually made a joke about Penelope and Javier that if Javier won, it meant that he was going to lose anyways because his wife... <laughs> if if her wife lost, it wouldn't have mattered if, if Javier <laughs> won. And he said, you know, Javier is going to be wishing that um, Will Smith wins. Yeah. You know? And so he's already cracking a couple joke, you know, that are already there. 
And so then he moves to Jada and Will, who are literally in the front row. They're the closest people to the stage. Prime real estate for that awards show. And he says, I love you, Jada. Can't wait for G.I. Jane 2. And obviously it's a comment about her hair because it's shaved off. I didn't know that she was struggling with alopecia, which is basically your hair falling out. And I'm guessing Chris Rock didn't either. And that joke, it's a terrible joke. Like it's, it's not like even a dated joke too. Yeah. How many people are going to get G.I. Jane to you? Yeah. I mean, you have to be us. Or like them, I because guess. Because I, I chuckled a little bit yeah, when well, you said it. If you see the clip for a while, we're kind of like, Haha, and then we're like. Because Will Smith laughed. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he laughs when they cut away from, right. from Chris and uh, she's not laughing at all. She rolls her eyes and you can tell she bothered her. And then it comes back to Chris and he's like, oh, come on. Like that wasn't even like that was an easy one or whatever. And then you just cut to Chris going like, oh, and then you don't see Will Smith going up until they switch to like a side shot. And then you see Will going up on stage and Chris has both his hands behind his back. Yeah. And he kind of leans into the mic because. He's definitely not expecting. I feel like he thought Will was going to tell him something. Yeah. yeah. Or they were going to do maybe an improv bit. Yeah. You know, but then Will Smith winds up and he slaps the shit out of him, which Chris later says the moment right after. But it's crazy because I thought just the sound too seemed fake. It was so loud. It sounded like he got punched. Well, I thought that it was. I at that point I still thought that it wasn't real and yeah. that they had like manufactured the sound. It just yeah. sounded too real to me for it to be to be real. Yeah. Like that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like it seemed like like a bit yeah. at that point. And even just the angle where the shot was, you couldn't really see if he actually hit him. Yeah. And then I remember our friend was like, Did it actually hit him? Like it seemed I don't know. It was just it just didn't seem real. And then the moment where uh the feet start cutting off. So not only did we lose sound, but we lost the picture and it was just the Oscars logo. Yeah. At least here in America, obviously now you know that their clips that were uncensored from like Japan and Australia, but here in America, the audio cut out and then it was just the Oscars logo. And so we're trying to figure out what the hell what just happened? happened. And I think that's the moment when I started realizing that was real. Yeah. Th- this was not rigged. This was not a setup or anything like that. And we start all looking at each other and and I think you get on your phone and like, you're like on Twitter, like just trying to see. And then you see Chris Rock, like, again, we still don't have audio. He's just kind of mouthing something. And then they cut to Will Smith and that's when he's saying like- And he's like yelling. Yelling. And that's when I started, that's when I was like, oh, this is like real. Cause you can hear him like, yeah, you couldn't really hear what he was saying. All I could make read lips is he said something about his wife and- Buck. That's and all so I saw I was too. Like, and I was and like, then oh. that's when you see Lupita Nyong'o in the background. <laughs> that was so be crazy. like, go from like kind of smiling to like, oh fuck, yeah, this is happening, yeah. And so that happens, and then Chris is like, whoa, that was the greatest moment in television, <laughs> and people kind of nervously cheer, and then he's so flustered at this point, yeah. and he still has to introduce the category, and he's just like documentary featured Oscars, and he gets his words kind of mixed up, and then, and then at, at one point he's like, just roll the clip, and then he, and then when he announces the winner, he's like, I hope this is right, you know, <laughs> and then he announces um, Summer of Soul, but no one's even thinking about that anymore. Yeah, that's I think that's the part that was really the most upsetting after what had happened is that like. Everyone was so like shell shocked about what had just happened. Like even, you know, us at home, we were just kind of still thinking about what happened and I want to know what happened and why did it happen and like all that stuff. And there's even a moment like where, you know, Questlove and his crew go up and Will Smith gets up to congratulate Questlove and you can see Chris Rock's face and he's just like, oh no, he's going to come back up again. Oh no. And, uh, and yeah, and it was just like Questlove gave such a, like a really beautiful speech but and I like no one remembers. Pay attention. Like I had to rewatch it the next day because I couldn't remember. And all I could see is Chris Rock. Yeah. To the right side of the frame in the background. Yeah. Just look like. And I think he's still processing like. Yeah. All of us were like. Did that just happen? Did yeah. he just like smack him in and the face? And he even like looks at someone in the audience and he goes. <laughs> like yeah, that's like, kind of like what he does. Yeah. 
not only was like the moment that Will Smith struck Chris Rock just like completely shocking and insane and to me it's the craziest thing I've ever seen at the Oscars like I've been watching it since like the mid 90s and there have been you know people mispronouncing actors yeah. <laughs> names and getting the envelopes wrong and people tripping and falling and and all that but I've never seen what I saw uh last Sunday and um and it completely robbed Summer of Soul and Questlove of celebrating and he gave a really heartfelt speech and it's it felt like the Oscars shifted timelines in that moment and now we're in this alternate reality you know post the vibes were immediately off yeah and I had a hard time remembering even what had happened before yeah I had to rewatch Right after the slap the next day, because I was like, what happened afterward? I had and, to look at all the winners, too, yeah. just to see, like, who had won. And I think and, I saw someone on Twitter who was saying that he was bartending during the show, the Oscars, and he was like, everyone stopped drinking after that. Like, nobody came to the bar after that. Well, what's crazy, too, is that I got some news from inside of the room that, like, people were still trying to figure out, like, if that was legitimate or not. Yeah. And the air just really got sucked out of it. And now there was like a 44 minute. Oh, I turned to you and I said, dude, what's going to happen when Will wins? Yeah. Because that was like. that was like right before. There was like about a 44 minute gap. Yeah. I timed it from the moment that Will hit Chris to them saying and the Oscar goes to and for Will Smith to go. There's like 44 minutes. And automatically, I think everyone's thought when what's going to happen when Will Smith comes up. And then. uh comes the Pulp Fiction reunion, which int which introduced uh, who was going to win uh, Best Actor. And obviously, we called it that it was going to be Will Smith. And I think everyone in the room knew it was going to be Will Smith. And they gave him a standing ovation, which I think blew my mind. It wasn't everyone. Yeah. I heard that there were some people that didn't clap and then some people stayed seated. And, but it looked like the majority of people yeah. you know, applauded it. Um, and then came the weirdest speech ever because yeah. he starts crying and then he he uses the word protect he used the word protect a lot in the speech and he started off by saying richard williams was a fierce defender of his family and really used like the whole williams family to mm -hmm. sort of justify what he had done hitting someone yeah for making a joke about their wife and that's the thing that i didn't like and besides the him doing what he did like i'm not I'm not cool with that either. But he used that to sort of like protect himself. And during the award season, he has been overly emotional. And he has brought up how he's had to protect the women in his life. And then the two actresses that played Venus yeah. and Serena. And it was just kind of like all over the place. And it almost felt like a therapy session to me. Like this guy that's just kind of like um, just letting it all out but it's happening at the biggest award show on the planet and in front of millions of people. And it, it just really just made it even worse. And also he apologized to the Academy, everyone, everyone in the Chris room, Rock. but Chris Rock, which is like, dude, the first apology <laughs> should be to Chris Rock. He has since apologized. And that's another raw moment, not just for him. You know, he was, he had been campaigning for this for a year. He came out with a memoir this year. And he was really saying all the right things leading up. And I talked about this in our predictions podcast, how as cheesy and as dumb as it sounds, your acceptance speeches leading up to Oscars do matter because people take them into the into account. And I know they shouldn't. Look what happened with Jane Campion. I mean, she still won Best Director, but there was like a rift after. Yeah, and people yeah. were starting to guess like maybe she's not going to get it. And, and so leading up to it, he was, Will Smith was like fine. And then all of a sudden he just, to me, he just snapped in front of like a live Yeah, and I think uh, it kind event. of robbed the Williams family of, you know, this kind of what should have been this beautiful moment, which, you know, again, I'm not them. So I don't know how they feel. They could feel completely different than I do. But this, that was just like me watching it kind of like how I felt was I was just like, oh, they're, that's kind of like a weird moment now. Another crazy thing happened where Will Smith is giving his crazy speech and then there's a cutaway. Like we see the Oscars logo again. Yeah. And I was like, what, now what's happening? <laughs> you know, we just had the incident now. I was like, is Chris Rock coming out? Like what is happening? Yeah. And then it was like a, a nip slip with like one of the Williams sisters and stuff like that. And so it was just kind of like really 
fucking bizarre yeah. on multiple levels. Going back a little bit, when Questlove won his Oscar, after the the winners win and they go off stage, they go straight to the press room where you have journalists from around the world who ask questions. And the first person that asked the question kind of like at, was trying to ask what just happened, but kind of said it like, oh, you know, congratulations. Um, so you won this award, but obviously there were more events that happened. Like, what do you think about that? And Quest was like, I'm not going to talk about what just happened. And then yeah. the moderator that moderates all the questions basically said, after that, the journalist asked that question said, we're not going to be taking any questions about what just happened. Which I think is good because it would have been what the entire night was about. And that like would have completely overshadowed, which it, I mean, it has overshadowed a lot of what happened. But, you know, everyone in the press room and even now, like, I'm tired of hearing about it. People who weren't even at the Oscars are getting asked about, well, what do you think? You know, and it's just like, dude, just let it go. Like, leave it be. They figured it out. Just like, let it go. I've been trying to find, I don't know if Will Smith even went to the press afterwards. Because I try to look online. There's clips of every person that won with the press minus the Will Smith. And, and I don't know if they, again, he didn't do it or maybe they just don't want to show it because it's just going to create more um, questions than answers. On the coattails of Will Smith's bizarre speech was another bizarre speech, which was Kevin Costner introducing best director. And he like, took forever. He took like, so like it started fine. Cause he was talking about like his first time at the movies or his first time at an adult film, which a was weird. Cause we all <laughs> yeah. thought he meant like a porno, but it was just like an adult, a movie for adults. And everyone even laughed in the audience when he was like my first adult film and everyone like kind of chuckled. And then he kind of just went on and on and on and on for like five minutes. And then finally was like, here's best director, <laughs> which was super weird after an already weird night. And that's kind of like the way that the rest of the night went. Jane Campion ended up winning best director as we all predicted, even though like we were talking about earlier, it was kind of like, up in the air for a little bit. And I think our picks were both Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Yeah. If those there were like been an upset. Who we yeah. wanted to win was, Ken- yeah. And especially like once they did original screenplay in that one, I was kind of like, hmm. Yeah, the door was open. So it ended up being Jane and, you know, which was what everyone thought was going to be. And that, but like that kind of added the kind of up in the airness of who was going to win Best Picture because you had Belfast screenplay, Coda adapted screenplay, director, Jane Campion. And so that was like, okay, well, who's going to win Best Picture? It's crazy, too, to think about that Jane Campion and Chloe Zhao won back-to-back years. Yeah, that's what first, everyone was talking first about, First time too. that had happened. And now there's like three women with Best Directors with Catherine Bigelow, Chloe Zhao, and, and Jane Campion. So we get to the final category. And you have uh, Liza Minnelli and Lady Gaga introduce it. And so they ended up announcing Best Picture, or Liza did, and then it ended up being Coda. Coda. And she got it right. Yeah. Unlike <laughs> Warren Beatty and <laughs> Faye Dunaway. Anyways, um, Coda won. That was another moment that we'll play right now from our reactions. And the Oscar goes to... Okay, Coda. Oh! Made me super happy that Coda won. And again, that's another, I feel like people are going to forget that Coda won this year with everything that happened. And it just, it's still, I felt happy, but I think we were still trying to figure out like the events of the night and how it all came to be and all that. Um, But it does make Apple the first streamer to win Best Picture. Although they didn't produce it, they bought it at Sundance for $25 million. So they didn't really see it from the very beginning to the end. Take that, Netflix. (laughs) doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting about the Coda win is that Coda winning may have changed the route of how you get to Best Picture because it used to be that to, to campaign for it, meaning like, because there's strategy to this. I know a lot of people may not think that, but there is strategy to how you, uh, to win Best Picture. 
not only do you have to campaign for it, but it used to be that you needed needed to be released in a movie theater. Like that was a mandatory thing. And because of the pandemic and how things have obviously changed and streaming sort of has now become the main thing that people are doing rather than going to the movie theater. What Coda did was, I think it came out in August and it was released both on Apple and in the movie theaters at the same time, which Netflix typically does in the theater and then it goes to streaming like three weeks after it came out in the theater. Coda comes out at the same time as it streams and it comes out early so people sort of forgot about it and that's why it wasn't really um, talked about much leading up to the to award season. It also didn't go to any festivals. You have all the fall festivals like Telluride uh, where people usually submit their films that they want to be considered for the Oscars because that's sort of another step to getting Best Picture. So Coda doesn't do that either. But what they do too is that they expand leading up to the holiday season. So it gets released in LA, New York, the big markets. Okay. And then by holiday season, it's in more and more theaters. And so people start seeing it by the end of last year, which is the perfect time, you know, leading up to award season because award season really starts, you know, January of, of the beginning of the year. Um, and so people are, are speculating that maybe Coda winning is a sign of a new strategy now that you don't have to go uh, be released in the movie theater first, that you don't have to go to all these festivals um, because also Coda is the first Sundance film to ever win Best Picture. People making movies have had to shift kind of their entire, not just how they market for Best Picture, but just how they market their movies in general because they'll be like, okay, do we want to do only movie theaters? Do we want to do only streaming? Do we want to do both? Do we want to do one first and then the other one? So it's kind of not only changed the way you market a movie for award season, but it just it's changed how you market a movie. I don't like the fact that if it is going to maybe change the strategies of of some of these streamers is that it's another nail in the coffin for movie theaters, that it's going to be yeah. less and less about going to the movie theater. And you are going to have streamers, I bet, released at the same time on online than they are going to be in movie theaters. But I think you still have these films like the Batman where you have to see it in the movie theater. Like they're like, you can't get the same effect if you watch it at home. And I think people recognize that with like the very obvious movies, like the Batman, like Coda, I feel like you could have seen it in the theater. You could have seen it at home. Like I saw it at home. Um, you know, same with, well, the power of the dog would have been cool in the theater just because the cinematography was really good. I think. And I think Tragedy of Macbeth would have been really great in the theater too. So I think all of these kind of like visually striking movies, people kind of know like, oh, I should see this in the theater. It kind of brings up that question of film festivals because one of the reasons why film festivals have survived is because the critical darlings, as we like to call them, usually are released in, in film festivals before anywhere else. And so if that's not the case with Coda just bypassing all that, you know, it may change the way that some distributors think of like, well, this is a critical darling, but why am I going to like send my crew to like, you know, Telluride and Toronto uh, to save money where I could just stream it the same day. And, like and that was another like frustrating thing was that some of them, like the worst person in the world didn't get here till like, a month ago or like two months ago or whatever, right. you know, when like every, I feel like everyone else but me had seen it. And I was yeah. just like, fuck, like when am I going to see this movie? Here's the question I was thinking of on the way here. Do you think, I don't think Coda was the best picture. I just voted for it because I thought it would, it would win. Um, there's an argument to be made that maybe Coda gets sort of forgotten as best picture because it doesn't have like, that state because it's so like you said you called it so pure yeah to oscars right and it isn't like a scorsese film and it's not like you know a coppola film or you know like one of those that you see it and you're like okay that's like oscar worthy do you think it's gonna get lost in the sands of time that people are gonna forget it? maybe kind of like the artist the artist was a silent movie and coda is kind of a silent movie you know besides like the music and everything so I feel like, I don't know. I feel like with Coda, it could go either way. Like, because it is, 
you know, a movie where there's primarily ASL, but like, you know, you have speaking and music and stuff, it could be forgotten. And because you, it's so pure, it could be forgotten. But it could also do the complete opposite and be remembered because of all of those things. And I think between Coda and the artist, I don't think the artist translated well to home video. Like I watched it at home and I was like, it's kind of boring. <laughs> like that was one of those movies where you had to be in the theater. And I feel like with Coda, that could just be on, I feel like that's just going to be on TBS like forever or something or TNT. And people are just going to watch it because they like watching it, you know? So I feel like Coda has more of a longevity. I think it'll be a sign of the times to you where it's kind of a bookmark with all the craziness that we've been experiencing, we've been experiencing in the world that here came this movie that was very wholesome and, and positive and, you know, made you feel good. And, and versus like the alternatives, which, which are like, if I had a vote, I'd still, I'd, I'm torn between like drive my car and, um, the worst person in the world, which wasn't even nominated. Yeah. But to me, those movies I feel were better. Just, that's just my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, because I feel like they made you feel more complex feelings within yourself versus, you know, Coda is just, it, it's a great movie, but it was yeah. just kind of, huh, no pun intended, one note in what you were feeling, which is, you know, there there was conflict and stuff like that, but it, it, it came to a very wholesome resolution. Whereas, you know, something like Drive My Car or The Worst Person in the World or even Belfast, like you have these like, complex emotions where you don't really know how to feel when the movie ends and I feel like sometimes those are the best movies is where you kind of are still questioning how you should feel about it you know weeks after you've seen it I think Coda is built for the masses so I think more people are gonna seek it out and enjoy it which than, is good because yeah. then I feel like mo more people will seek out future Academy Award nominated movies you know because there could always be a Coda in there you know? exactly the ratings came in and again, we made a lot of hoopla, rightfully so though, of cutting out eight categories from the broadcast. I was actually wrong. In the last part, I said that there was only four, but there was like eight. There, I told you, you right, there was eight right. and you said, yeah. Yeah. It didn't work because again, we said that it ran 40 minutes too long. Uh, the ratings were up 56%, which is a good thing. But also it's still the second least watched Oscars. It only had 16.6 .6 million people. You would have thought that the incident would have had a spike, but it didn't really. What I love, though, is guess where the highest peak was of viewership? Guess what category it was? Supporting actor. Mm -hmm. Go so Troy. So when Troy Custer <laughs> took home Best Supporting Actor, the viewership spiked to 17.7 .7 million viewers. Oh, that's, that's awesome. The, that's the, the most that watched it. And just a little bit of history, still the highest rated Oscars of all time is the 1998 Oscars where a little movie called Titanic won Best Picture. That was watched by over 40 million people. Wow. Now, here's what I'm going to say about this whole rating shit. The problem that the Academy, to me, has is that they're trying to garner these massive numbers. And they're trying to get the young, you know. Maybe even more important than the high numbers. But here's the thing. It's never going to get to those numbers ever again. No. You know, the reason why 40 plus million people watched the Oscars in 1998, because that was the only thing really to watch on a Sunday. Now we have streaming, we have the internet, we have TikTok, we have all these other things that we could be doing instead of watching the Oscars. So this idea that the Academy has to like, oh, let's return it to its like higher place and number, it's never going to get there. So I think programming the Oscars and producing the Oscars, that shouldn't be the priority. The priority should be, let's make a show about loving movies and talk about why we love movies and honor the people that make these movies. That should be it. You know, yeah. it's as simple as that. Who was the host in 1998? Billy Crystal. Because that's it, right. I remember the opening. He comes out and he's on the that's king right, of the and world. <laughs> and he had, and that's another thing I guess I'll briefly say, but maybe save it for next year's uh, Oscars podcast is that, can we just bring Billy back to like just host it? I am so the end of time? upset that the original trio that was supposed to host the Oscars was Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Yeah. That would have been so good. That would have really been like the great. perfect bridging between like, the old generation and like the new generation without making it like tacky just because I've seen only murders in the building and they work together so well and they're so good at like playing off of each other, like comedy wise that I feel like that would have worked so well. Note to producers that are doing it for next year that maybe you're listening, maybe go with that next year. <laughs>
Before we wrap up, our thoughts on the 2022 Oscar ceremony. I want to talk about just the worst or shocking moments in Oscar history because that's been a topic of conversation. And even leading up to the Oscars every year, there's always these lists of like the worst moments and all that. Obviously, with the incident that happened this year, it's even more of a topic. Do you remember just off the top of your head, like just moments that stuck out to you? Well, the first one that comes to my head is the La La Land Moonlight switcheroo. Um, I don't know if that was like a worse moment, but it's definitely a memorable one. I would say shocking. And shocking. But that was like a good shocking moment, you know? It was, yeah. I don't know. That's literally the only one that comes to my head right now. I mean, I think the bigger ones were before our time. Like when you think about uh, Marlon Brando's boycott. Right. For The Godfather. That's another one, yeah. Where he had Sashin Littlefeather rejected. And basically it was his protest, again, how Native Americans, Native Americans are um, portrayed in film and television shows. And John Wayne was going to kick her ass for it. Yeah, which is... But that's the story for another day. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Robert Opel, who streaked in 1974. Oh, that's you right. Know, he just kind of ran through that, yeah. for a quick minute. But I mean, obviously, these are starting to pale in comparison to like what we saw on Sunday. Oh, here was one that wasn't a shocking moment. Well, it was shocking, but also going back to what we just talked about, about overproducing the Oscars for moments. Remember what happened last year? How the show ended? Do you have any clue? No. So they decided to not end with Best Picture. They ended with Best Actor because they assumed that Chadwick Boseman was going to win. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Anthony Hopkins wins, who wasn't even there. Yeah. And then Joaquin was giving out an award, and he's like, we accept the award. And then the show just kind of ended on the biggest downer. Wow, I totally forgot about that. What about James Franco hosting? No. I forgot. I just blocked that year out of my brain. And today I rewatched clips of it. It's so what year was fucking that? terrible. Uh, 2011. How that show got aired in the first place is beyond me. I'll ask one final question before we give our thoughts. Where do you think the Oscars go from here? As in, do they need to change things up again? Um, do we need to create a fence around the presenter's podium in case <laughs> someone uh, attacks? The Oscars are sort of trying to reinvent themselves but well i will they? say this if there's any good to come out of this year i think that people more people will watch next year just because they're going to be like what the fuck is going to happen i think they should just not do the fan shit again because that failed agree the cutting category or not cutting categories but like pre-recording categories and like cutting people off as they're like mid-speech like way before they should just in the interest of saving time, I think that they should know that that just doesn't work anymore. Cause how many years have they tried it with, you know, different things? I think it was 2019 where they were going to do it, but there was a big back. Remember 2019, yeah. there was going to be a big backlash and they ended up before the ceremony. They, they went back on what they were going to do. And, yeah. And, and I think they should stop trying to make it three hours. They should just be like, look, everyone expects this to last forever anyway. And yes. let's just go with the flow. See what happens. You know? And then as far as hosting, they need to figure out kind of, you know, like we were talking about, a way to bridge the gap between having a diverse team of hosts, having someone to appeal to a younger audience, having someone appeal to the older audience and just kind of like figure out what the formula there is. You know who I think you should host next year? Who? Chris Rock. He's definitely going to be back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely going to be back. Yeah. I agree with pretty much everything that you said. I think that since we're living in different times and there's different ways to view things, ABC was responsible for, I don't know if they threw down their fist and said, we're not going to show these categories or if they recommended it and then the producers took it and went with it. But I think that the Academy should say goodbye to ABC. And I think that they should find a streamer and stream it. You know, I was going to mention that uh, earlier is because they're streaming on Hulu and I was going to ask if the numbers of people watching took into account the Hulu streams which I don't know if they do but yeah I totally agree I, I feel like it might have it might be more popular if it's on a streaming site because the people that want to watch it will watch it 
And, you know, the people that complain about being four hours long don't have to watch it. So it's like, yeah, because even now, like when people complain about it being four hours long, it's like you could just watch something else. Like what's on ABC on Sundays? I don't know. (laughs) So but yeah, I think that that might be the future is, you know, everything else is being streamed. Whoever like would stream it, they could really sell the crap out of it. You know, they and could, I think it would be more accessible too because I had to get fucking Fubo to stream the Oscars because Sling doesn't carry ABC, and a lot of streamers don't carry ABC. You know, so I, I feel like it would be a lot more accessible to people. And they could really sell the shit out of it and like make it one of their yearly programming things. You know, like now Apple's going to be showing Major League Baseball on Friday nights. Yeah, Amazon's going to have the NFL on Thursday nights which is crazy to think about. That is crazy, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, I feel like if a streamer took it up, they could really sell it and, you know, use all the social media. Like you could do all the TikTok videos to your heart's content to really sell it. I think trying to popularize it and make it this, um, creating these moments, forcibly creating these moments is not the route to go. It doesn't work. You're better off with the organic moments because they're always, and I, I hate to use the Will Smith moment, uh, but they're always more shocking and, and it's uh, what's being talked about and it's what's being talked about rather than like, hey, let's create this. Let's change up the categories and do best actor because he we think he's going to win. Or let's know? do a 50th anniversary Godfather thing that nobody right. talked about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so final thoughts on the craziest Oscars that I can remember seeing in my life. I can't wait till next year. <laughs> Pretty much that's it. You realize that this story, we're going to be talking about it for the rest of our lives. It's, it's well, going to be. We're still talking about Moonlight and La La Land. Yeah, but this was like And way that was worse. just that. No, I know. I'm this saying. Is much worse. Well, we're still talking about Marlon Brando. That's know? what I'm saying. We're going to be talking about this for the rest of our lives. It's going to be shitty to keep talking about this. And it's going to come up. Like I said, every year there's a worst moments list for the Oscars. And it's going to be number one for. I hope forever because I don't want to talk about another <laughs> moment like that. I'd rather talk about reading the envelope wrong yeah. or, you know, a shocking twist of a nominee winning when they shouldn't have. That wasn't expected. But I mean, talking about, you know, people hitting each other in an award show. It's just, it's super unfortunate, but it is what it we is. We're here. We're here. Thanks again for listening to our recap of the 2022 Oscars. Again, if you haven't already signed up, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we do these live podcasts that you can watch. So you can watch all of our reactions in real time. And then if you haven't already followed us on Instagram, on Twitter, at CutMoviePod. Also, we're streaming on all platforms where you can find your favorite podcasts and you can go back and listen to our past episodes. We've done Titanic. We've done... Almost Famous. Almost Famous. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A League of Their Own. We've done Pig. So there's a lot of really, really good stuff for you guys to listen to if you really enjoy this podcast. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Cut. That's a wrap.